Good morning. Hope everybody's doing all right. Yes. Yes. Good. Good. I'm glad that you are. I'm just looking at two young men. They're just huge. Man, y'all look. So, yeah. Wow. Wow. A while ago, y'all were really a lot shorter than me. You two right there. So, looking there, I mean, I had to I had to do a double take at first, Ty. I thought that maybe you were a visitor, because as I as I switched through, I was like, huh? Oh, it's 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 Ty. Yeah, yeah. Mr. York. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, that has nothing to do with anything. It just caught me. It just catches me off guard every now and then. There's some kids in the church that are now 15 years old that I remember. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. You three and four and five, and it's just absolutely amazing. It's cool to be here 12 years. I um, <clears throat> also want to say thank you for the gift. At, gifts, I haven't even opened them up yet. It may just be, you know, um, Philip, you did a bad job. I mean, it might be, <laughs> it'll just be a big joke, you know. But um, I appreciate that, and I know Seth does too. It, one thing that I would like to say is that um, I'm really thankful that it has been relatively easy church-wise to do the things that we needed to do to have church, like the drive-in and, and the support behind that from the people. Um, even when we did outside, the support from the people to do that, there was really nobody that ever called or said that's crazy or stupid or, or anything like that. And, and that's really a blessing, especially when you're dealt something that you've never experienced before and they didn't have a class on it in seminary. There wasn't a COVID-19 class to tell you what to do if something happens or, or things like this. So, so I'm really appreciative of the willingness to change in this church and, and that was really, really neat. Well, last week um, I was on vacation. I was in West Virginia um, at Pipe Stem. Has anybody ever been to Pipe Stem in here before? A couple of people, yeah. It's a, <clears throat> it's a state park and it's old they have an older kind of hotel that you can stay in. And then there's a place, there's cabins and stuff and places you can camp. But we stay, you take this tram all the way down to this river. River, it's really just a creek. And um, you stay in these little bitty um, hotel rooms. Like, have you ever stayed in a day's end, like back in the 70s? Yeah, and it's kind of tiny. Like you have the beds and it's tiny and you, you bump into each other and the bathroom is really tiny too and um, smells and all that kind of stuff just emeates throughout the room no matter what it is, you know, kind of, oh, come on. You know, that's the kind of place you stay in, but you don't stay there for that purpose. You stay there because you go outside and you play in the creek and, and you can just sit there and it's very relaxing. We um, rode horses, we ziplined, actually. Um, I was ziplining on Sunday morning because um, that's when we could do it. I watched the, I watched the sermon uh, later that day, that afternoon. But yeah, we were ziplining, and it's, it's in the mountains, so you're very high up, but it was a very, very good time. But I'm glad to be back. And we are doing a sermon series called You're Put Me On, and this is part three of that particular sermon series. Now, uh, how many of you remember when you were a kid singing that song, This Little Light of Mine? Right, this little light of mine, yeah. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, 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 right? 
and the Independent Baptist didn't mind repeating those words. Okay, anyway, so, so, you, so you, you, did, you did that, right? Well, the second verse goes, hide it under a bushel. No. Now, when I was a kid, um, I didn't, really didn't completely understand what that meant. I knew you were hiding the light, but I didn't understand what that meant. See, we, my, my dad has 10 acres of land in Colfax, North Carolina, and it is pronounced Colfax because I'm from there. It's not Colfax. It's not all these other Yankee ways that you can do it. It's Colfax. You don't say Colorado. You say Colorado. So Colfax, this is the one pronunciation I know I'm getting right. So don't mess with me. I'm going to stand on that ground, right? I had 10 acres of land, and on that land we had a probably about two acres of it that was garden. Sometimes it felt like five or 20 acres of garden that you were going through, right? But you, you went through. And so you'd pick these green beans or whatever you were picking and you'd put them in a bushel basket. So when I thought of bushel, I thought of hide it under a bushel of green beans and was wondering, are the green beans burning? Or, I mean, what's happening here? What, how, does that, how does that work? But later on, I kind of figured all that out. But you hide it under a bushel and you hide it under a bushel yeah, I'm going to let it shine, so you, you do that. So that said, um, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood, right? Pastor goes on vacation, and he begins to take off his shoes, right? That song, by the way, is based on these verses right here. <clears throat> You're the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. So, light. This series is based on putting something on and taking something off. And if you don't mind turning your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5, that's where we're going to be today. But it's about putting something on and taking something off, right? So Ephesians chapter 4, where we started this a few weeks ago, these words were spoken. You were taught with regard to your former way of life, that's before you receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. You put on the new self. The new self is the new humanity. I don't know if you know this or not, but the old humanity doesn't have a clue how to solve anything. In fact, it seems like every solution, and I've said this before, every solution that the world comes up with to solve a problem creates multiple other problems and really doesn't solve the problem that they were trying to solve. Come on. This is how it works. And so the old humanity does not have the answers for the world, but the new humanity does. And so we put on the new humanity. We put on something new that looks different that looks kind of like the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, right? We put on the new self. We put it on because it is creative. Now, um, look at chapter 5, verse 8. It says this, For at one time you were in darkness. 
chapter 5, verse 8. We have a brand new t-shirt coming out for our church. And this is what it looks like. There's a cross man kneeling, right? And at the bottom it says, this truly changed me. This truly changed me. Now, <clears throat> I'm very excited about this shirt. Um, we make no money on this, by the way. But I'm very excited about this shirt because for the first time, I figured out how to put the wordless book in a shirt. How many of you are familiar with the wordless book? Oh, just a couple of you. Several? Some of you? Some? Okay. So the wordless book, let me explain, was when I was a kid, you would do in craft class, you would have a black piece of paper that you would put next to a red piece of paper and then a white piece of paper, right? And then you would have blue and then purple, right? Blue and purple. And so black represented um, sin, and we are all lost in sin. We all grew up in darkness. Red represented the blood, and so the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. And white represented that we were cleansed, made pure, white as snow. And then blue, amen, and then blue was royalty. Now, blue, purple, gold was in heaven. There's some other colors that other people added to that later on just for different purposes. But blue and purple, depending on which one you wanted, represented royalty. I'm now in a new family of God. I'm now a new person. So this shirt... If someone walks up to you and says, what does it mean this changed me? I don't understand this. You can say, well, black represents sin. Red represents Jesus Christ's price for my sin. White means that I have been cleansed of my sin, and now I am a part of a royal family, and that's my foundation for life. So there you go, the wordless book right there. Because... Verse 8 says, for at one time you were in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. It says that you were darkness, darkness, and now you are light. Doesn't say anything else other than darkness, like you were darkness and now you're light. So now that you're light... You need to put on that new humanity and walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is good and right and true and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. So the fruit of light are these words right here. Good, right, true, and pleasing to the Lord. Now, wouldn't you agree that the world... Needs a group of people that are good and right and true and live as pleasing to the Lord. Isn't that something that the world needs to see? Amen. Yes. Now, watch this. And awesome? All right, cut the lights. All right, turn the lights back on. Isn't that awesome? So the fruit, the fruit is good, right, true, and pleasing to the Lord. That's what it is. Now, this is a very peculiar thing, isn't it? Right? Very peculiar thing. 
This means that when we put on the new humanity, we are not supposed to look like the darkness. We are supposed to look like something peculiar and different that is fun, but, we're, the, but people aren't really sure about it at first. They're like, what in the world is happening? What in the world is happening? So good, right, true, and pleasing. But this is what Christians often do. Christians often hide their light instead of shining it. They often do things that they're not supposed to do instead of doing what they were supposed to do, which is pleasing to the Lord. So verse 3 says this, But sexual immorality and all impurity and all covetousness must not even be named among you as proper among the saints. This means that when someone that is a believer decides to look at stuff on the internet that they're not supposed to look at, it is at that point that they cover up their light and become darkness. They wrap it around themselves and they're no longer witnesses for Jesus. In this verse, it tells you that this should not even be named among you. In other words, sexual immorality at any point, whatever you view, whatever you do, whatever is outside of the confines of marriage is not supposed to be done. And if you do it, you are wrapping your light, your light in darkness. You're partnering with it, and it should not be a part of your life. You see... The good and right and true thing is to save that for marriage and marriage alone. That is what it is supposed to be for. Notice this next verse. It says this, impurity, sexual immorality and impurity. This means that when I have thoughts that I should not have about people or if I participate in things that I should not participate in, that is unbecoming of Jesus or a believer or a saint, that is the moment I put on darkness and cover up my light. Now, listen, I, the mask thing is just not a big deal to me, okay? I, I, I think that the discussion is just, just but I, I'm gonna give you an, illustra an illustration. So just don't send me emails about, what, I, what I'm about to say. Okay, so <clears throat> Lowe's Food, I was in there the other day, and there was a guy that was walking around without a mask, out <gasps> a mask, and he had a glass in his hand and was drinking as he was walking through. So this intrigued me, okay? So I walked a little closer, and what I realized is that his little cup actually came from Lowe's Food, and he had just got a cup of beer from their little tap place. Have you, have you noticed yours? Does the one here have a tap? You're all looking at me like I'm crazy, but there's a, in ours it has a bar, and you can get a tap of beer. So I got to thinking, oh, this is my ticket. What I'll do is I'll send out communication to everybody at the church and say, if you see me in Lowe's holding a beer glass, I'm not really drinking beer. I'm just trying not to wear a mask while I'm in there, right? And so I'd send it out to everybody, had this plan, send it out to everybody, put it on Facebook, just let everybody know, if you see me with the beer glass, I'm not really drinking it, 
right? I'm just walking around shopping so I could get my stuff so I don't get the shame of everybody else that's wearing a mask. You know what I'm talking about. Come on, church. You know what I'm talking about. They look at you like, yeah. Okay, so, so I was thinking about that. Now, as funny as that is, I can't do that. If I was not a pastor, I might consider it, actually. But I can't do it, and here's why. There are people that I've counseled over the years that have problems with alcohol. They're addicted to it. And they don't need to see their pastor holding one just so he can't, (laughs) come on, just because he doesn't want to wear a mask. They don't need to see that. They need one person in their life that's shining that says, you can stay no, you can say no, and you can live this way. And you can stay away from that thing that so easily takes you into sin. So I can't hold one in public, right? I don't even hold one in private, so don't start going down that road. But I can't hold one in public because of my position. Because if I was to do that, as funny as that is, I would become darkness to somebody. That would be the moment that the person that I just counseled to stay away from it, would walk into Lowe's and see me with it in my hand. Do not even try to argue that the devil does not work that way. I know he does. I've seen it happen in my life, right? So I have to make sure that I live a light that shines so that people can live a different sort of life in their life, in their lives. I have to live differently. Christians need to live differently we shine. Now, the next word here says, it says, uh, sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not be named among you. Covetousness is greed, like I want this, I want that. I, I've got to have this. And you'll do anything to go after it. You'll do, do anything to go get that particular item. It's covetousness. The good and right and true and bright way to live, if you're putting on the new humanity, is to not be greedy, but be generous. It's giving the person that waited on your table that doesn't deserve it a good tip. We have no clue what that waitress has gone through. We have no clue. And if every table is mean to her or him, that's not a good thing. Sometimes you just are generous. Well, she didn't deserve it. Well, Let's just take a few moments to list the things that God has given you that you don't deserve. The money in your pocket for that meal. Right? Give generously. If someone is in need, we give generously. If I have something at my house that somebody needs, give generously. Now, if I need it, I'm going to keep it. Right? If I personally need it, not because, but need it. Like, I'm not going to give all my clothes away. I need clothes to wear. Okay, do you know what I'm saying? You just don't do all that. But you generously give out what you can to other people to help them out, and you're not covetous. Every time that we're greedy, we cover up the new humanity, and we do not help the world at all. Next, look at verse 4. Let there be no filthiness or foolish talk or crude joking which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. 
Every time you tell the joke that you think is funny, that is filthy, is the moment that you cover up your light. And you become a little bit of darkness. I know this is tough. I know it is. I like to watch comedians on YouTube. I do. I like to watch comedians on YouTube. I think that they are brilliant in the way they put a talk together. From the beginning all the way to the end, always has a thread, if they're good. Always has a thread all the way. The setups that they do for their jokes are absolutely incredible. It is just very intriguing for me to watch it. It's also funny, okay? I'm not watching it just to see what they're doing, but it's funny. But there are some crude jokes out there that the YouTube gets paused and I go to somebody else. There are certain things that should not come out of a Christian's mouth, certain jokes that shouldn't come out of a Christian's mouth. They are just not supposed to be part of the light. Every time you do that, you become a part of the darkness and not a part of the light. In this verse, it tells you what you need to do. It says thanksgiving. Be thankful for what you have. Be thankful for being in that particular position. Thanksgiving, a mind of thanksgiving helps you be positive rather than negative and keeps you out of the darkness and into the light because you realize what you have is on loan from God and you're thankful for it. You're thankful for it all. Your health, whatever it is, you are just thankful for it. So thankful. Thanksgiving. Verse 5 says, for you may be sure of this, that everyone who is Sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Now, this is a verse that makes me pause a moment. Because I can think of times where I've been guilty of all that. Right? Right? And it's been on your mind, it's been on your heart, it's been on your soul, and you, you look at this and you say, it has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God? That's scary. That's very scary. So what do I do when I get to a verse like this? I ask Jesus to save my heart. <laughs> I do not believe that you can lose your salvation at all. I don't believe that at all. But there's some verses like this that make me stop long enough to say, you know what, I'm just going to pray the prayer again. I believe it, but I'm going to pray the prayer again. Lord, forgive me of my sins. I want you to be my savior. Save me from all this darkness and help me to live as a person of light for you. So I pray that prayer. Scariest verses in the Bible are these. Jesus, you're standing before him in heaven and he says, "Uh, I didn't know you. Because I would say, but Lord, I preached for you. I was a preacher. I, I lived for you. I led other people to Christ. I, I, I baptized people in, in the baptistry at churches, and, and I preached, and, and I tried to live right. I don't want him to say, I never knew you. I don't want him to say that. So, yeah, there's times that I just pause for a few moments and just redo it, make sure that he knows that I know that he died for my sins and I want to be with him in heaven. It is very, very important. You see, darkness and evil leads to destruction. It leads to a place that in the final days, 
is dark and painful because of fire. It's called the lake of fire. Jesus and his free gift to mankind through the blood and resurrection that he did leads to heaven to a place of light and beauty and life. And I want to make sure that I'm not going here. I want to make sure I'm going there. It is that important. Eternity is on the line. So yeah, as silly as it is, I pray the prayer again. And you know what? I think from time to time, maybe you should pray the prayer again. There's times in our lives that we're not really sure why we put the darkness back on, right? We're in the darkness. We don't even know how we got there. How did we get to this darkness? How do we, how do we start participating in this darkness? Maybe that's a moment that you say, hey, I just want to make sure right now because this isn't a life that Jesus died for. This is a life that Jesus died for, and I want to make sure that I'm living like I'm supposed to live. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Let no one deceive you with empty words. Empty word would be this. Philip, there's gray areas. We're not really sure if it's right or wrong. They're just gray. So it's okay for us to do this because it's a gray area. I'm here to tell you this morning that in the Bible, it's either darkness or light, and there's no gray area. So if you think that there's a gray area, you really need to pray that God will show you the light on that particular topic. You you really do. Because in Scripture, it's either right or wrong. It's either light or darkness. There is no in-between. The reason that you and I see it as gray is because we are seeing from the vantage point of darkness. Come on, church. That's how we see it. We see this thing as darkness, and so we see different shades of darkness, but a gray is still black. It's just a different shade of it. It's all it is. God, who is holy and who himself is light, sees everything as perfection and holy and sees the darkness for what it is. So from the vantage point of God, there are no gray areas. It is all either light or darkness. It's either right or wrong, holy or unholy, righteous or unrighteous. So we need to be careful listening to empty words that say this right here is okay because it's just a gray area. We need to be very careful with that. We need to make sure that the way that we're living, we're not adapting darkness to our light, right, and covering up our light, but we're shining brightly. Verse 7 says this, Therefore do not become partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light, and the Lord walk as children of light. Um, By the way, check this out. I didn't know this earlier in in the service. This happened by accident when I was changing. Why are you already laughing? Do you know what I'm going to do? This happened by accident. (laughs) If I had known that, I would have led with it. Isn't that cool? No, it's not. Okay, so, so, so anyway, that was an added, like, like, there's these little things right here, and you just, push these things forward and it comes on. Well, that's all I've been doing because that's how I jump, right? But there's a click right before that one and it kind of 
You know, it kind of does, does that kind of neat. It was an added feature to these um, gigs, these little, this little suit that I just bought. It's an added feature. You know what? When you live like you're supposed to, as light in the world with the new humanity, God continues to show you added features as you live your life. Stuff that you never knew existed because you just started out just flipping it really quick, right? You never figure out the added feature at this point until you've lived in the light until you got there and he shows you some type of added feature. For instance, marriage. Marriage. We don't realize this. I don't think people realize this. But when you keep intimacy within marriage, there are added benefits to that. When you stay away from sexual immorality and you keep it within the marriage, there are things that happen that are simply supernatural when you spend time with your spouse. There is some sort of um, intertwining of a man and a woman's soul when they're spending time with each other. There is something spiritual that happens. I know this sounds really, really nuts, but until you get it, until it happens, you don't realize that that's a benefit. There is something that happens that connects you more together to each other. There is something hap that happens that is just beautiful. It's just absolutely beautiful. I can't explain it to you, but I know that it's an intermingling of, of your soul, of your spirit, of who you are, and it's just absolutely amazing. And you miss it if you're messing and partnering with darkness in that particular arena. You miss it. There's no way you can get to it. I've counseled many people, many people that have tried to break that habit before. And one in particular, and a lot of them get to this point, one in particular, I kept telling him over and over again, man, if you leave it alone, give it about five to 10 years, five to 10 years, and something amazing will happen with your marriage. He gave me a call three weeks ago and said, Philip, I had no clue. Once the trash was out of my mind, I could wholly give myself to my wife and that is the moment the specialness happened. Amen. It is something about leaving that alone. It's almost like God knows what he's talking about. It's almost like that. It's almost like when he says the darkness is bad for you, that he really understands what he's talking about and that there is something better and more pure for you than messing around with all this darkness in your life. So you detach yourself from it. It says, take no part in darkness, none. In fact, it goes a little bit further. It says, take no part in unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. You and I as people of the light are supposed to expose the darkness. We're supposed to expose what is right and what is wrong. 
Yes, we do this for the world, but more importantly, we do this for our own sanity, for our own selves. We do this for our families. We do this for the people that are around us. We say the Bible says that is wrong and we shouldn't participate in it, and we stick to it, and we shine as a result of it. We expose what is wrong. Verse 12 says, for it is shameful even to speak of it, the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. I believe that it is time for the church, not just this one, the church in general, to wake up. And I don't mean grabbing your son and going somewhere and and doing your sign thing and doing some type of thing. like I don't mean that. I mean waking up to the fact that we are living in darkness and we need to live in light. We need to go from the darkness that Jesus has saved us from and be lights in this world. There is no other hope. And every time you take on something and you cover up your light is the moment Someone in the world does not see the hope in Jesus Christ. People need to view us as being peculiar. I know I'm peculiar. I was peculiar before Jesus, and I'm peculiar after Jesus, but we are to be different. We participate, we're not different. We need to wake up, arise from the dead, get out of the deadness in this light, and Christ will shine on us. Yeah, Christ will shine on us. For everything that is visible is light. You know that person in your family that you've been praying for for a very long period of time that you want them to come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior? You know that person? I've got several of those. They do not need me to be playing around with darkness. They need me to be playing around with light. It's the same for you. They don't need to come over to your home at Thanksgiving and realize that you're playing in darkness. They need to come over to your home and realize that there's something different about your house. There's something different about your marriage. There's something different about your family. There's something different that is drawing them to a better life and a better way. That is the new humanity. You see, this old humanity is just going to go away, but the new humanity is what brings us to a better day. Let me give it to you this way. Things are very bad now, I think. I think evil is just everywhere, and it's getting worse and worse, right? So you have this evil happening. Well, some point in here, there's a rapture. And I'm going somewhere when that happens. Mainly because I prayed the salvation prayer many times at a, you know, just making sure. But in the rapture, I'm going somewhere. I'm going to go up. I'm going to go up. Then there's going to be seven years where it gets really bad. It's really bad. If you think the government forcing us to do things is bad now, you just wait till the Antichrist gets here and he does his little deal. Okay? It's going to be really bad. All the way through to the end of seven years, Jesus, the light of the world, comes back and sets up his kingdom, and that is when things start getting better. 
That is what I want to be a part of. That's also what I want other people to see in my life. If I was to leave right now in the rapture, I hope and pray that I've lived in such a way that the people that are my friends that are unsaved would say, hey, wait a minute. The light's gone. The hope is gone. How can I find that? And as a result, they find Jesus in the seven years of tribulation and then join me in his kingdom. Are you living in such a way that if you were taken out of the picture, people would say, wait a minute, the light's gone. The hope's gone. Or would they be like, oh, I don't even miss them. It's just as dark as it always was. My prayer for you is that you live in the light and shine for Jesus. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day that you've given us. and um, We thank you for your plan for this new humanity. It makes absolutely no sense, humanly. To us, um, it would have made more sense for you to just come in and conquer the world and be done with it. But you were doing something greater. You were trying to redeem a world that was lost. So you sent your son to die on the cross for the sins of the world and then gave him the power to rise three days later so that we could have life. You did that because you looked down through eternity and you saw us here today at Farmington Baptist Church, the ones that received you as your savior. And your plan was for us to be lights in the world, to put on this new humanity and throw off the old self and shine for you. It was an amazing risk. And I think if every person was honest in this room, they realize that risk. We like darkness way too much. Sometimes we want to fit in way too much. Sometimes we just get in our heads that it's really not that bad. When all the while, we're just stepping back into the very darkness you saved us from. So Father, I pray that in this moment that your light will shine heavily upon our hearts and our souls and our minds. And that you'll show us that dark section in our lives that we just need to deal with and get rid of. Father, that, that part where we partnered with darkness and we should have never partnered with it at all. And shine the light in such a way that we will break that partnership and instead attach ourselves to you. I think I can speak for the majority of the people in the room. We want to see people saved. We want to see people come to know you as their personal savior. We wanna shine so bright, Father, that the people in the darkness squint they feel a little pain with it, but at the same time, it reaches that one soul that just is looking for something, looking for hope and looking for life and that by your power, you draw them to the light and you draw them to you and they become saved and a part of your family. Help us to shine like that. 
Our walk is so pure and so right that people take notice and they think, man, what is that about? So I pray, Father, you change us. Reveal to us when we are covering up the light. Give us the wherewithal to throw it down and shine. So we ask all these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing this invitation song.